Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, it's uh, sort of natural for us after a, a victory, and of course it's the first Denver Broncos victory, to start to talk about expectations. But uh, as you said before we started recording, because I'm the one who asked about it, um, it's a little too early to talk about expectations. It's too early for us to change too much about the way we feel about this team because it's just one game and like you said let's wait for a trend so let's wait for a trend before we start to change our expectations or our view of what this team really is it was one win it was a good win but now they're on to Tennessee thanks Bill Belichick and uh, we get to kind of uh, hope for their first home victory of the season which is I think a distinct possibility I think so I I think it's amazing what a win can do, not not just for a fan base, which was sorely needed, because as we talked about on the post game podcast, it finally allowed fans to take a breath and take a step back or two from the ledge about firing everybody and just allow allow the the victory feeling to rush your lungs and say, okay, all right. But now what it does for the team is it finally gives it the confidence that, all right, we're, we're on the right path. We know what we can do. And we finally got a win and all former athletes will say there is no feeling like a win. And when you finally get the first win of the season, it feels good. You remember it and you want to feel it again. So I think that's where, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds on Sunday. And we would be remiss to say that that's the day that they honor Pat Bowen and they induct Champ Bailey into the ring of fame. So there's going to be a lot of excitement and a lot of emotion already in the building. And the Broncos are wearing their blue jerseys as a way to honor Champ Bailey, since that was the color that he wore. So I, I, Sunday has the potential to be fun. It helps to come off a win, as you said, a big win over a division rival. So let's see what they what they're able to put forth come Sunday against the Titans. Yeah, there's a, a lot to look forward to. Um, and we'll and we'll definitely get into all of that here pretty soon. But I think uh, one of the things we want to maybe talk about we didn't really talk about it in the the post game recap was uh, the Devonte Bosby uh, injury. And um, just just how serious it was. And then also the fact that uh, he actually talked to the media about his injury. And he's 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 raring to go, raring to get back on the field, probably because he's got that winning feeling and he wants to go out and feel that as well. But uh, what what was it that he I think maybe we should just kind of go into what it was that he talked about, because it was a pretty scary injury. Well, it was frightening because you could tell that he wasn't moving and once the the CBS crew finally got word 
to everyone watching that he was able to, he had feeling and he had movement. That's the, that was the moment that you said, okay, it's not as serious as we initially thought because it looked serious. Oh, it looked awful. It looked absolutely awful. And so when he met the media on Tuesday, he said that he was paralyzed for the first 30 minutes. And that is truly terrifying. I cannot imagine being in a situation where you're paralyzed and you want to move and you can't. I I can't imagine. I mean, I've had the wind knocked out of me. I've been, as a, as a former soccer player and a catcher, I've been hit in the in the junk. It, it's called the balls. <laughs> and it, I I didn't like either of those sensations. I can't fathom being paralyzed for 30 minutes after an injury. No, I, I, I can't imagine someone saying, okay, move your name on appendage and then not being able to actually move it and thinking to yourself, did it move? I'm trying to move it. Is it moving? Can you guys see it moving? Like, or when they poke you in the toes with the needles and, and you feel nothing. And that would, it, it almost feels claustrophobic, right? You're, you're, as we sit here and talk about it and I'm not claustrophobic. I don't mind tight spaces. I feel like I can handle it, but just the idea of not being closed in, but just not being able to move. That makes me more panicky than anything else. That that would be something. I don't know how you get through that and just be totally fine with it. And like you you said before we started recording, he basically said, "I'm good. It was no big deal. I can't wait to get back out on the field." The thing that I think that's even more remarkable is that he's not going to need surgery. He's just going to need time to to get the spinal injury that he suffered time to heal, which is why he was put on IR and the preceding move that the Broncos made on Tuesday was signing former Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback Cody Sinzaba. I, I I mean, the fact that he isn't going to require surgery after a frightening injury like that is remarkable, but it's even more remarkable that he said that he wasn't scared. And I don't know if that's just because he was meeting the press or he he wanted to to not give in that he that he was scared. I don't I, I can't speak to that, but both of those are remarkable. The whole situation is incredible and remarkable. Just thankful that it isn't as serious as we all initially thought, and that he's just going to require time and rest. The old R R and R. Sure, a little rest and relaxation. I I mean. Football players are there's there's something that's just not right about them though. I mean, you can't you cannot tell me that football players should be in charge of their own health and safety. Uh, when you see a guy take a hit like that, when you find out he was paralyzed for a half hour, and he says, "I wasn't scared, and I can't wait to get back out there." I'm sorry. To me, that is the perfect reason why you have to have independent. Uh, doctors on the sidelines preventing guys with concussions from going back out on the field because these guys just want to play. And, and I respect that. And I, I don't have a problem with guys wanting to be tough and go out and, and keep going, right? Like, like Bradley Chubb going out on a torn ACL, even though that's not what they thought it was, but he just kept playing, even though he probably should have sat down. 
the medical guys need to be independent so they can say, no, this guy needs to sit down. He's out. He's done. Because they won't. The players will not. The players will just keep going out there. When you see some of the the players that from the, the prior generations playing football and you see the toll that it took on them, that's the prime the prime example of why they need to have independent doctors telling them no you can't go out there and i i think i think that's one of the the things i don't think they've the nfl hasn't done enough and still hasn't done enough they need to do much more but the fact that they actually have independent doctors and surgeons or whatever medical people independent from the teams and the league on the sidelines is a good step. Sure. It's a start, right? It's a start. So, all right. But we do get to talk about football and you, you talked a little bit about it. And we, we actually mentioned this game uh, a few weeks ago because when we were running through the record, we were trying to find a victory uh, on the schedule. And this was, this was one that you pointed to uh, this game against the Titans at home as as a potential victory because of the ceremony that's going to be surrounding it and and so I think sort of in a, a bit of a pivot away from the uh, gruesome injury and the the Devante Bos- Devante Bosby news and the Cody Senzabaugh signing uh, to a game that I I think you and I at this point are on the same page that this is a winnable game this for me a few weeks ago this was not a winnable game but watching this Broncos team. The last few weeks, really, the last two weeks, this is a team that has the potential to win games, and I think this is one that they could win, maybe even should win. And I think it's going to come down to becoming consistent, doing, building on the things that they did against the Chargers and expanding on it. You have the foundation now. You know what it takes to win a game because you won. Now build on it. Eliminate the turnovers. Eliminate the poor blocking. And one thing that I want to talk about, and I've I've seen a lot of people crediting Garrett Bulls for the way that he's played ever since that that brutal game against the Bears. He has been better, but at the same point, he was responsible for the strip sack of Joe Flacco. He got beat. Joe Flacco, that that strip sack is not on him. Maybe he needs to step up and and throw the ball away, but I don't think he could have stepped up. No, there was there was guys in his face too. So that that strip sack is solely on Garrett Bowles. And we've talked about this before we've recorded. We've gone back and forth. The bar needs to be higher for Garrett Bowles. Just because he doesn't hold anybody doesn't mean he's doing his job and people are going to throw out the PFF grades. PFF grades are trash. If that's what you're using to base something on for an argument about a player, stop. Yeah. For me, it's based on the eye test and he has been better. He has been better, but he hasn't been good enough because he still gave up a strip sack. If he does his job on that play, Joe Flacco hits a receiver in the end zone for a touchdown, and they're up 21 nothing, instead yeah. of a strip sack and here we go. Yeah, and here we go. I guess it would have been 20. It would have been 24 nothing. I don't remember. It would have been 21. I believe 
no, 24. I think it would have been 24 to nothing at that point. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting you bring him up because it, it is frustrating. You, you want to you see improvement, and we have seen improvement. You want, you want a guy to bounce back, and we've talked about this before, obviously. The fact that he sort of adjusted his game so that he's not holding constantly is, is a positive. That is a positive. But how long do we have to wait for him to become a first-round worthy talent in the NFL. He was drafted in the first round for a reason, and he just hasn't had the positive impact that a guy like Ryan Ramchick, for example, has had in his career. And that was the same draft, right? I mean, Garrett Bowles went before Ramchick, and if, if you had to do it all over again, I think everybody knows that Ryan Ramchick would have been the pick and not Garrett Bowles. That being said, incremental improvement has been good. But to your point, raising the bar is it has to be the next step, right? The next step has to be, okay, Garrett, you have eliminated the penalties. You didn't get called for a hold. That's great. But now you have to be better at your job without the penalties. You have to be more consistent, more effective. And it has to be a constant uh, building upon those things. And so, again, I, th- I think he becomes one of those players that if each week he you see improvement from him, that's going to be a testament to him changing, I think, maybe his approach to the game and also to a Mike Munchak and the rest of the coaching staff for getting, in, getting to him and making sure that he understands that he's got to make adjustments. So to me, it's, I, I get where you're coming from and, and you're right. It's not good enough. It is not good enough. But if we continue to see improvement, if things continue to get better, there's, there is your silver lining with Garrett Bowles. And it's one that Mace talked about on the show uh, in our, in our season preview uh, about Garrett Bowles having the opportunity to get better. And he was really excited for what he could do this season. And I know May struggled with him early on. We, we had uh, an interesting conversation about that. But now, I think if you ask Mace and, and when you look at some of the reaction that Broncos country has had, and maybe it's just the euphoria of finally getting a win, people are a little bit more relaxed about Garrett Bowles. But I, th- I think you're right. It's got to be better. But every week, if every week gets better, I, I will I will take that. If every week gets better... I will take that. And that I think all of Broncos country wants that because if that if he's able to do that, that eliminates a potential need. But he's going to have to be a lot better and giving up strip sacks isn't going to do it. And I I to me the key to this game as we get into it aside from building on what they did against the chargers and expanding what they've been able to do, eliminate the mistakes, play better offensively in the third quarter is what to leave the carrot. I want to see them dominate the line of scrimmage like they did against the chargers, because if you're able to do that, if you're able to run the football, that allows you to start setting up the pass. That allows defenses to force to make it forces defenses to make a decision. Do we load the box to stop the run, 
which leaves them vulnerable to being beat deep by Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe Noah Fant over the middle? Or do you continue to get beat by the run game because you you know that Joe Flacco has the ability to go deep off of play action? In terms of the defense, if the defense is able to hold the Tennessee Titans and make them one-dimensional, that's how you beat Marcus Mariota. I would much rather have Mariota trying to beat me by throwing than having the run the run pass option or using it off of play action. That completely debilitates his ability to be effective as a quarterback if you stop Derrick Henry in the Titans rushing game. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of uh, alluded to sort of my key to the game that was the carrot that you left for everybody and it's not it's not just the third quarter so you know last week I talked about the third quarter uh, and I talked about how difficult it is to win a game when you come out as flat as you do in the third quarter and that's why they lost to Jacksonville and quite honestly it's almost why they uh, or it is why they almost lost or almost had to uh, or they did have to fight off the Chargers they come out in the second half and they come out flat and the key to the game for me has to be not just getting a fast start and taking the lead early, which I love. I don't think anybody here is going to complain about the Denver Broncos going up two touchdowns in the first quarter. That's fantastic. It has to be a continual motion forward, right? They have to keep the they have to keep their foot on the gas to steal a cliche. They have to keep scoring. You have to keep pushing. And I don't know if it's if it's play calling. I know we talked about field position at in our uh, post game, uh, you know, post game show about you know the, it sort of seemed like after they got up uh, after those two touchdowns, they were fighting field position issues and they were trying to not make mistakes. Maybe that's a big part of the problem. But when you go up big like that, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep. You, you got to slam your opponent, right? You got to, and I, I keep saying this, you got to step on their neck. And if if they can't do that, then they're going to keep ending up in these dog fights that go down to the wire. And at that point, it's, it's, a, it's a coin toss. And you don't want to have to deal with that. It would be much nicer to have them be up by, you know, 30 points or 24 points or 17 points in the fourth quarter rather than just going in at halftime. And then by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, it's a one-score game. So the offense has got to figure out a way to keep scoring points. If they can keep scoring points after they've taken a big lead, sort of obviously, they're going to win the game. And you won't have the sort of heart palpitations that everybody has to go through as the game gets closer and closer and closer and time continues to wind down. And then the next thing you know, the the other team's kicker is kicking a field goal. Now, that being said, as far as kicking goes, I, I think, are we confident that the kicking team for the Titans isn't going to be good? They cut Cairo Santos but signed Cody Parkey. Did they upgrade? No. <laughs> just ask Bears fans. I know what you just say. I mean, I, I live out here in the Midwest. I, I know exactly how they feel about Cody Parkey and the double doink, which, again, I contend – should be worth one point because how impossible is it to hit it off of an upright and then the crossbar? Insane. Or does it speak to how unlucky Chicago is? 
I, I think it uh, it certainly has something. Uh, it says something about that for sure. That is that is definitely true. So, all right. Um, so those are our keys. And one thing uh, I wanted to. So this will be the 39th meeting. Oh yeah. Between the Broncos and the Titans. These are fun, by the way. This is fun. What's amazing about this? The Broncos' record in those 38 games is 15, 22, and one. Really. Yeah, the Broncos have a losing record against the Tennessee Titans. They're nine seven and one at home, six and fifteen on the road. That's the a first game surprise, right? Surprise. What's and I think what will will bring this all together is the Tennessee Titans are considered the Houston Oilers, right? So the first game between the two teams was played on November 6th, 1960, with the Houston Oilers winning 45-25 in Denver at then Bears Stadium. Ah, old Bears Stadium. And the most recent game was December 11th, 2016, a 13-10 Titans win in Tennessee. I feel like I remember that game. So it was low scoring, not fun to watch. Difficult, just a difficult game to watch, as I recall. Yeah, not. It wasn't a fun game at all. And and they lost, which makes it even worse. You know, can we talk about the most exciting game that the Broncos ever played against the Titans slash uh, Oilers? Would that be the drive two? Yes, the drive two. So. You know there there is some there is some good news. The drive two did happen. Uh, it was it, they were the Oilers at the time, but you might be able to make the argument that that was the better of the two drives. I you could, and it happened at home. I think the difference. I think the reason that it's not considered as good is because it, it the drive happened in Cleveland, right. and it was for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Sure. I'll give you that, but in the drive too. If, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I I feel like I've I this is correct though. Two fourth and tens that that That's the Broncos correct. picked up on the drive too. I, I mean, just take if you take away all of the the ancillary stuff, right? The what what it's for and where it's played and 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 all of that stuff, and you just say it's a game on a neutral field between two teams, whether it's your teams or not. That to me, that drive is is maybe I think it's a better drive. I think I, I understand you kind of have to add in all of that other stuff to really get the full picture. But just as drives go, the drive too, I think with two fourth and tens and and just that the way that that whole that whole series played out, that's a that's a better drive. Well, and it actually won the game, right? Unlike the drive in Cleveland, which just tied it. The and I it. I think what's remarkable to think about is so the, the Mark Jackson touchdown ties it up. Carlos hits the extra point. The Broncos lost the coin toss in overtime. So they actually forced a three and out. So the Broncos still had to go drive the ball back down the field to get in field goal range. And Carlos had to hit another field goal. The drive two, that drive won the game. Yeah, it was ball game. Game over. 
either way, it was going to be game over. So, I, yeah, absolutely. And you give Carlos credit because he never did find his right shoe. And so he just never could kick with the right shoe on. It was uh, it was weird. I think what he should have done is is kept uh, the opposing defenses or the, uh, the the kicking defenses off guard by having both feet barefoot so he wouldn't so they wouldn't know what foot he was going to kick with you know yeah i will say this about carlos and and there's there's a certain amount of of huevos in not wearing a shoe when you're kicking field goals or when you're kicking uh kickoffs because he also did kickoffs now you're running down the field to make a tackle with one shoe on and and not just he's not even wearing a sock he's totally barefoot how he ended his career with all of his toes is a miracle, right? That's that's the true miracle in the history of the world. Rich Carlos has all his toes. And then what's remarkable to think about is the connections between these two teams. So obviously there's the connection with Mike Munchak, who spent 32 seasons with the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans organization as both a player and a coach. That's just a long time. But... This is also going to be the first trip back to Denver for a former Broncos linebacker who has played six seasons, or I, I can't remember how many years he spent with, with Tennessee. I think it is six. Wesley Woodyard. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. The connections, right? The NFL is filled with connections, which is kind of nice. Some And some com- quick things to watch for in this game. Royce Freeman is 54 yards of total offense away from 1,000 scrimmage yards for his career. Chris Harris Jr. still needs one interception to become the 12th Bronco to intercept 20 passes in franchise history. Von Miller, who currently sits at 100 career sacks, who's tied for 33rd all-time, needs one sack to pass Charles Haley, Cameron Wake, and William Fuller into sole possession of 30th. On the all-time, the NFL's all-time sack list, and Emmanuel Sanders needs 150 receiving yards to pass Haven Moses into ninth on the Broncos' all-time receiving yards list, and he needs two receptions to reach 400 as a Bronco. So what that means is that he passed Riley Odoms, who should be in the Ring of Fame. And the Hall of Fame. I mean, compare his stats to guys who are in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It's just we could we could have that conversation every time we do a show about Denver Broncos that should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and the fact that Riley Odoms isn't in the Ring of Fame, somebody, I don't know, I don't know who you're going to call, but but call him to get it fixed up because it's it's just getting ridiculous. Riley Odoms and Steve Foley. Yeah, there's your, there's your two guys for sure. All right, um, so we've done our keys to the game. Who are your players to watch? Let's go offense to start it off. Player to watch on offense. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Garrett Bowles. I I want to see if he's able to to continue the 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 right trajectory. I mean he he is he is coursing on the right path. But let's let's see him get better. Let's see him eliminate the sacks. Let's see him eliminate the, the getting the, the getting beat at times. At 
the at times the costly mistakes that he is still aching to make. So I want to see him step up and and make the people who are celebrating him and wanting to to give him applause. Let's actually give everyone a reason to do it. Yeah, legit. I like that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Cortland Sutton on this one. Uh, I wrote about him in the for game balls. He got he got my game ball, and I think kind of in the same vein as as Garrett Bowles, only without the costly mistakes. Uh, Cortland Sutton has con- sort of constantly improved every week. He's gotten a little better uh, throughout his entire career, and I think he is in the process of supplanting Emmanuel Sanders for that number one wide receiver spot and uh, becoming the guy. You can tell that he and Joe Flacco have a connection. Uh, He has been in on a lot of the big plays for the Broncos over the course of the last few weeks. And I think he's the guy who, uh, along with the running game, obviously, and sort of maintaining possession of the football, but Cortland Sutton is the guy who's going to be your quick strike, uh, deep, deep ball threat. He's one of the guys who can keep your team scoring, right? He can be the guy who's constantly pushing the ball down the field so that you can be in in scoring position. And so I I would watch for Cortland Sutton to have a a big game just because I think this is an opportunity for him to continue to get better. Kind of just like Garrett Bowles, only again, without, without the huge game changing mistakes. Defensively, you got somebody? Von Miller. Get that sack, right? Well, get the sack, but let, he, he's going to play a key role in whether or not uh, Mariota is able to – if the defense is able to contain him in the pocket and not allow him to get out and make plays with his feet. So uh, my key, one of my keys to the game is definitely making the Titans one-dimensional. A big part of that – is making Marcus Mariota one-dimensional by not allowing him to get out of the pocket and make plays with his feet. And Von Miller is going to play a key role in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, A.J. Johnson, right? Alexander Johnson, who, who who sort of came out of nowhere in the Chargers game, grabbed one interception, had the opportunity at a second, uh, and, and really um, made a name for himself in a game where Okay, now that you've made a name for yourself, now that you've earned yourself more snaps, more opportunities, can you capitalize on that? Can you do the things that continually make you um, a a big part of this defense? And so to me, uh, you know, you watch a guy sort of break out in one game and then what you want to see is can they continue that trend? Can it become something that uh, you can count on? And so it's the next game to me where you will really see whether or not he has the ability to maintain that sort of presence on the field. And and so I think that, uh, you know, AJ Johnson becomes the the guy for me, right? Alexander Johnson is the guy who I want to, I want to watch and see if he can keep uh, making an impact because it was such a short, it was a small sample size, but it was such a good sample of what a defensive player can do at the inside linebacker position, what a good inside linebacker can do in a Vic Fangio defense, right? Isn't that what we've been talking about since Vic Fangio was hired? A middle linebacker who can have some impact on a game? Maybe this is the guy. Maybe they finally found what they were looking for. This would be a good game to to find that out. I'm going to throw in two others. Oh, I like it. They, 
they've had a they had a huge impact and we talked about it i'm going to go with mike purcell and kareem jackson because they played a they they were i don't think you could just just like alexander johnson both of them were huge in the broncos defense being better against the run against the chargers and i think both of them are going to have a, a a similar kind of impact against the Titans if they're able to play like they did. So I, I, I'm in total agreement about Alexander Johnson. I just like with the Broncos as a whole, as we started off the show, it's, it's exciting. Let's see if some trends start to develop now in the positive way. And Johnson is one of them. Mike Purcell and Kareem Jackson are the others because I thought both of them were instrumental in the run game defense being as good as it was against the Chargers. Yeah, those are all all excellent points, and I think that you're absolutely right about that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and, and take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll do uh, predictions for the game, and we will do a quick wrap around the league and the AFC West. All right, we're back. Um, let's see here. So let's go ahead and, and do uh, our predictions for the Bronco game. Um, I don't know if you want to do any bold predictions. I don't really have a bold prediction for the game. Uh, I think it's, I think it's mostly uh, just kind of exciting that they're going to be doing some honoring of of Champ Bailey and and Mr. Bolin. And so uh, I don't I don't really have a bold prediction. I don't know if you have one. I do have a bold prediction. I think the Broncos are going to score another opening drive touchdown. That's it. You know what? I don't know how bold that actually is on though. offense. <laughs> okay on offense I, I don't know how bold that is though i feel like they've been pretty good in the first it's like those scripted plays at the beginning that that was sort of mike shanahan's um mo right that was how they did things when mike shanahan was around and uh with gary kubiak as the offensive coordinator i feel like you're getting a lot of that with rich scangarello who is from the mike shanahan tree because he's from the kyle shanahan tree or whatever you want you know branches and branches and whatnot I'm not sure how bold it is to predict that. I, I would almost have preferred that uh, you said that uh, they were going to have a first uh, a scoring drive on their first drive of the second half. That would have been my preference for your bold prediction, but I, I get it. That'll be my bold prediction. How, how about, about I, that? How about I amend it? How about, okay. how about I amend it? They have an opening drive touchdown to start the game and at the end of the first half and the start of the second half. Whoa, easy now. I said I said bold, not insane. How could that possibly come true? That actually would be impressive because how would they start the game and then in the and cuz if you're kicking off how do you it, it's going to take a turnover, right? Is that how that's going to work? <laughs> well, I, I I didn't say open it. I I didn't their first open the drive, game. right. Okay. Their first drive. Got it. Okay. All right, I'll take that. And then I'll just say that that was mine too. I'll just I'll just piggyback off of it. Uh you got a score prediction for the game? Well, that would mean that I would have to have at least three touchdowns. Yeah. So, I'll go with I'll go with twenty four to thirteen. Ooh. Broncos. Okay. All right. And the reason I ooh like that is because I actually have twenty four for the Broncos as well. Seventeen for the Titans. I'm also predicting a Broncos win this week. Twenty four seventeen at home. Uh, in a, in a game that I think, like you said at the beginning of the show, is going to be emotional. It's going to carry a lot of weight. And so these can go one of two ways. They can be uh, huge letdowns or they can be, you know, sort of a big buildup for the team. And, and I'd like to think that this is going to be one where they really step up for a game like this. 
So 20, 24-17 Denver is mine. You're 24-13. We were, we were so close. So that was my prediction. prediction. I I think the reason that I think that they'll be able to pull this out is just because they got that winning feeling back and they're going to want to feel it again. And That's it, what she said. I plopped it out there and expected you it did. to form. You did. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's let's take a look at the AFC West. Raiders are off this week. They've got the bye, so we don't have to worry about talking about them, which is fine with me because I hate them. Um, but the Chiefs play the Texans, so Kansas City, I believe, is home against Houston. Um, I don't know. Do the Chiefs bounce back? Do the Texans have a have a, a chance in that game? I, I feel like that's a bounce back game for the Chiefs. I actually think the Texans have a huge chance because. The Chiefs' defense is garbage. So horrible. That's true. That defense is so bad. And they're not – I mean, what's interesting is I think the Colts kind of gave a blueprint on how to to beat the Chiefs, which I think they got from Bill Belichick. But I think the way that the Texans are going to do it is just by testing that horrible Kansas City secondary – well, and if you saw, you know, Will Fuller's performance uh, last Sunday, you know that they have. I mean, they just have the ability, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to have the opportunity to go off as well. That Texans team is is one that they can put up a lot of points, which means the Chiefs are going to have to put up a lot of points to win. And and you're right, that's one where I, they could definitely walk away with a loss because of how good the the Texans defense can be. So I will give you that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Sunday at twelve o'clock. You know, it's a noon game in Kansas City. It's a it's a home game that they need a bounce back win. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, I think the key, I think the key to the game is going to be what JJ Watt and the Texans defense is able to do. Because if they're able to to do anything like the Colts did which is just consistent pressure without blitzing, which is the key, consistent pressure. I I don't know if the, the Chiefs offensive line is good enough to block J.J. Watt or Whitney Merciless. Right. And you have to keep in mind that I, I'm saying. curious to see how bad Mahomes, Phil, is injured, yeah. Mahomes' ankle injury is because if that's a high ankle sprain, which I think it looked like it was given the replays from the Sunday night game, that could be a high ankle sprain, and that's not something that goes away. No, and it all depends on where it is in the high ankle sprain, and and what kind of pressure you can put on it. I mean, that could be that could be one that lingers for the rest of the season. And if he aggravates it again, that's one that could could end up sidelining him. So uh, Mahomes is in an interesting spot here, and honestly, I don't know. Depending on how his ankle is, the Chiefs might even be it might be in their best interest to sit him a couple games. I'm just saying that because I would like to see him sit down so they lose. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Chargers play the Steelers, and the backup quarterback in that game for the Steelers will be Paxton Lynch. And the way that the Steelers are going through quarterbacks, you might see Paxton Lynch getting some NFL snaps on Sunday on Sunday night. And it will be, a no doubt, a Steelers home game because yep. there are going to be a lot of Pittsburgh fans at that soccer stadium I'm curious to see how the Chargers respond because they got pretty much shut out by the Broncos. 
the Broncos defense allowed a, a field, uh, two field goals, one at the end of the game. The only touchdown they got was special teams. So I'm curious to see how the Chargers respond when they're not playing at home because they're if there were that many Broncos fans there, you know Steelers fans travel pretty much like Yankees fans. There's going to be a lot of Pittsburgh fans, a lot of terrible towels in Los Angeles. It's going to be the wrong yellow. If you're a, if you're a Charger fan, the yellow you're going to see is not going to be the Charger yellow. It'll be it'll be the Steeler yellow from those ter- terrible towels. I just think that uh, it doesn't matter how many of your home fans are there when you're on your third string quarterback and uh, you're struggling the way that they are to just keep their quarterbacks upright and healthy. That could be an issue. And and again, I, I see this as a, a bounce back opportunity. Primetime games at home, usually teams win those games. I don't I don't want to pick the Chargers to win, but I, I might have to just because that again is that's another bounce back game. So it'll be it'll be a fun one to watch. And again, you might get to see Paxton Lynch play a few snaps. So so you know, pop on over and, and watch them and see what see what happens. Uh any, any other games that stand out for you around the league? I got one. I know we're going to talk about it. In fact, it's the, to me, it's the most interesting. There are three games that I think are very interesting. Seahawks-Browns, because in terms of the Browns, they've been the Browns. Browns going to Brown. Despite all the hype. So Seattle's going on the road with that defense. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Cleveland. Eagles-Vikings, I think – We'll see what happens with that game, I especially with the Vikings' offense. It hasn't exactly been up to snuff. Just ask Stefan Diggs how he feels about the Vikings' offense. Or people who own Stefan Diggs on their fantasy team over here, this guy. Anybody want to trade for Stefan Diggs, by the way? Because I have him, and he's, he's available. Then a very interesting NFC West game at the Coliseum will be the 49ers at the Rams. I, I mean, the undefeated only two, 49ers. The only other unbeaten team with the 49ers is New England. So kudos to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But I think the team that I'm most interested in is the Saints. They have not missed a beat since Drew Brees got hurt. And Drew it helps, who, right? It, it helps to have a running back like Alvin Kamara – but that Saints defense is is pretty good. It's solid. That's a solid defense. I agree. And and uh, it will be interesting to see if they can, uh, you know, sort of contain the legend of Gardner Minshew uh, because it is a very good defense. But like you said, having an Alvin Kamara in your backfield certainly alleviates some of the pressure. And I think Sean Payton really has proven over the course of his career in New Orleans that – He's an offensive guru. He's maybe one of the the best offensive coaches in the history of the NFL. Uh, Those are all fun-looking games. I I agree with you. Uh, They should be fun to watch. But the game that I am most interested in is Redskins-Dolphins. It is the worst of the worst versus the worst of the worst. A race to the bottom. A challenge to see who can be the worst team on a football field, the Redskins and the Dolphins, in Miami. I, I, I mean... Is there anything more interesting than this train wreck that you are about to witness? It's just going to be awful. I do either one of those teams want to win? No, no, and that's I think that's an important point that you've made there. Neither one of those teams want to win. So 
is it possible that we're looking at a zero zero to are you are we looking at a soccer score here nil nil is that a possibility i i would has that ever even happened in the history of the nfl i am so excited about the possibilities and the potential for awfulness that i i just can't contain myself i think the one reason that the dolphins may not want to win it more than washington is because they have been in full suck for Tua mode for like two years. Yeah, it's been a process that started a couple seasons ago. That is true. So you could be. They're just more practiced at tanking. Like the Redskins are. They're just. They're generally bad. But being bad isn't tanking. That's just you're not good. They're actually now in the process of tanking as well. Are they as good at tanking as the team that's been tanking for a couple of seasons? I guess we'll find out. Uh, it's since they're the dolphins, I'm going to say, no, I think they're going to find a way to screw up tanking and they're not <laughs> going to have the number one pick. <laughs> so you think it'll be Dan Snyder and the Redskins with the number one pick at the end of the year, and they'll screw that up and trade it away for something and, and end up with another RG three debacle at quarterback. Is that the idea? I, th- I think that's the way it's going to go because Dan Snyder is an idiot that, I, I think that is the best thing you could have said there, and I certainly agree with it. So, all right, we're we're in week six here. Uh, the Broncos play the Titans. Is there anything else we need to cover before we we jump off? I think just to reiterate what we talked about at the top, look to see if the trends in the positive direction are going to start for this football team on Sunday, because we've seen the negative trends over the last three seasons. Let's see if that win against the Chargers is what starts to get them trending along the right path. Sure, moving on up. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.